Today on the Almond Journey podcast. The regulations that we deal with on a daily basis, that voting base needs to have an appreciation and an understanding for what it takes to get food on the table. And I think programs like the FFA are one of our best opportunities to help with that educational process. We're talking about investing in tomorrow's agricultural leaders with almond grower Daniel Bates. to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding those innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. Today, we travel to Patterson, California, on the west side of Stanislaus County, to visit with farmer Daniel Bays. Daniel is a sixth-generation California farmer who also happens to be a former California State FFA officer, which is going to be relevant to today's topic. We're going to hear from Daniel about his farming operation, how FFA has impacted his career in life, and why decades after wearing the blue jacket himself, he's still passionate about supporting the organization. We'll also make a couple of pit stops along the way to visit with Katie Otto of the California FFA Foundation and Rebecca Bailey at the Almond Board. But first, we hear from Daniel, who has a long family history in California agriculture. His father's side of the family moved to Patterson from the Ventura area two generations before him, and his mother's side farmed in the Imperial Valley. Today, they grow almonds, walnuts, tomatoes, lima beans, wheat, and some other crops. And Daniel says diversification has always been a part of their approach. Yeah, our farm has always been diversified. We've gone through phases uh, where kind of our portions or percentages of crops vary. When I was younger, apricots were kind of our main crop. We did have almonds, we did have some row crops, but most of the, the farm was apricots at that point. Markets changed. We've got more into almonds. We were heavier into row crops for a while. That kind of ebbs and flows. Gotten more into walnuts in the past probably 10 years. Going back in Southern California, my grandfather down there, they farmed walnuts, avocados, lemons, uh, lima beans when they got pushed out by development there. He kind of chose this area because it was a similar crop to what he was used to down there. Uh, A lot of dry lima beans, uh, tomatoes, some tree crops. And he got started in growing almonds and apricots in the late 1960s and kind of eventually switched kind of made that transition to more permanent crops as time went on. Very cool. And now growing up for you, did you always kind of know you wanted to do this full time or did you consider doing something else? I grew up on the farm. My parents' house is on one of the fields that we we farm and it's about two miles from my grandparents. So I spent a lot of time riding around in the pickup with dad, with grandpa, involved with, with different things. I always enjoyed the farm, enjoyed the equipment, uh, being outside, just the, I guess, the seasonality of it, that things are always changing. No day's the same, but you kind of have a, a routine, too, of your planting and spraying and fertilizing and doing things in the spring as far as getting that crop established, kind of irrigating, keeping it sizing up and growing in the summertime, and then harvest in the fall. And so you kind of have that repetition as well. Things are the same, but they never stay the same. You're constantly trying to improve and make things better. And so I always just like the variety of challenges, I think, with with farming. And then, you know, looking up to my dad and grandfather and 
just always wanted to to be like them and do what they did. It's a good community here. It's it's home. I like it. After I went to college, the opportunity to come back and continue that on with the family was was available. So that's what I chose. Cool. And then, so you, you get to high school and you join FFA and, you know, at that point, what were your perceptions going into it as far as what, you know, what it was going to do for you or where it was going to take you? And then we'll obviously talk about what, what transpired from there. All right. Well, when I got into high school, I had been involved in 4-H and had always kind of looked forward to FFA. And the big draw to me with FFA had been looking at my dad's tenure in FFA and his experiences there. And uh, a lot of that was kind of ag mechanics based. He had built a nut sweeper, nut cart, uh, several other implements and stuff in high school and shown those at the fair and displayed them at the state fair. And that opportunity to work in the shop, weld, do some more hands-on stuff, that was what I was really excited for and had kind of looked forward to as far as going into FFA. The, the leadership side of it had never really even crossed my mind. Had an ag teacher there in high school, actually several of them, that had helped kind of foster that and encourage involvement outside of just the shop. And probably part of that too was just with class schedules, not being able to get shop classes all the time. Okay, I'll take a another ag science class or a leadership class, or yeah, I'll get involved with the, the officer team and being pushed into some more of the speaking opportunities and, and leadership opportunities and the professional development side of it, I guess you could say. I hadn't really planned on that route or expected that, but yeah, it was just one of those things that had friends doing it, had uh, teachers and adults who were kind of encouraging that and helping push me into that and just all the stars aligned or other factors of, of life and school schedules just kind of pushed me in that direction as well. Very cool. Well, let's talk about that. You know, as you look back now, uh, decades later, what stands out as, you know, most impactful to where your career has gone? Because, you know, theoretically, with or without FFA, you might still be farming today, right? So you, you're in an interesting situation where you could probably look at that path and see how it might be different as a result of your experience. I'm curious how that looks to you. Yeah, looking back at it, I think the skill set from the professional development side of it, as far as you know, just even running a meeting with Robert Rules of Orders, but some of the prepared public speaking, the extemporaneous speaking, being able to stand up and communicate and kind of think on your feet a little bit has opened up a lot of opportunities, even with some of the other organizations are getting that story out about agriculture, being involved with the the water district, with the, the RCD board and with Farm Bureau and the county and the ag commissioner and, and even going on several trips to the state up to Sacramento or going back to Washington, D.C. to meet with representatives and being able to have that voice or tell that story. I think there's been a lot of benefit to that, not only for me directly, but probably the industry as a whole, that I think probably if I hadn't had that experience in FFA, I'd, I'd still be farming and I'd probably be spending a lot more time in the field and in the shop, which there's some days that's what I'd rather be doing anyway. But as far as a long-term uh, sustainability and, and benefit to the industry as a whole, I think there's probably a lot more payback from some of those meetings and time spent and comments made and relationships built outside of the farm, just because of the all the other things that impact us from new laws and regulations and 
you know, those relationships with buyers, with handlers and suppliers, and especially dealing with a lot of the supply chain issues and some of that stuff since COVID. That communication and being able to kind of think on your feet has been key. Yeah, no, that's such a really good insight. And, and do you think that is, is it a skill set or is it just a level of confidence that you have because you, you went through that program? Or is it, you know, just people saying, well, we've seen Daniel do that in FFA, so we know he could do it for the industry now, you know, is or is it a combination of all three? I think it's probably a combination of all three. With anything, having that that practice to kind of fine tune and, and hone a skill or develop it, you have to have that. And even if that's, you know, from driving a straight line out in the field or learning how to troubleshoot a mechanical problem with a harvester or a tractor, you know, this, the same thing goes with having that confidence and being able to stand up and speak and think on your feet. And I think part of that too is the experiences in FFA of getting outside of that five mile bubble of home, talking to other people, seeing that there's other viewpoints, learning that, yeah, we all may speak the same language and live in the same state, but slang that's used or perspective and how people may view the world varies varies greatly depending on that environment that you currently live in or were raised in. And I think a lot of those experiences that FFA provided me with traveling, staying with other families, meeting other families, seeing different parts of the state, different parts of the country and finding those, those commonalities, but all those differences and kind of being aware of that, I think has helped a lot as well. And Daniel is one of many of us, myself included, whose lives have been positively impacted by the California FFA Association. We'll go back to Daniel's story in just a few minutes here. But first, I thought it would be helpful just to share a little bit of information about the FFA itself as an organization and its relationship with the almond industry. FFA, for those who may not know, is an integral part of agricultural education, which envisions a world where all people value and understand the vital role of agriculture, food, fiber, and natural resources in advancing personal and global well-being. Once known as the Future Farmers of America, the youth leadership organization is dedicated to making a difference in the lives of high school students by developing their potential for premier leadership, personal growth, and career success through agricultural education. Now, despite fewer and fewer people being involved in agriculture over the years, the organization has continued to grow. Katie Otto is the executive director of development for the California State FFA Foundation, whose goal is to make sure that all FFA programs in the state are accessible to the entire membership, which Katie says is poised to hit 100,000 members this year. So this year, like we are going to hit 100,000 members. I have no doubt. We closed out 21-22 with 98,912 students across 347 chapters. And to your point, when I started with FFA originally back in 2007, we were just under 65,000 members. Um, when we started to work with the Almond Board and the Almond Leadership Program, the California FFA was just at 74,000 members, and that was nearly 10 years ago. So we have definitely been on an upward trajectory in terms of growth, which is wonderful, both obviously in our member base, but also within the high schools, middle schools, private schools, and charter schools that we're now located in. 
Yeah. And can you maybe talk more about the intracurricular aspect of it? Because I think some people listening may not be familiar with the fact that you can't just like randomly be a member of FFA just because you're the right age. You actually have to be a part of classroom instruction. Can you talk about kind of the, the three circles if that if they still call it that? Yeah. 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 So one of the things that sets FFA apart is the fact, again, that we are intracurricular as opposed to being extracurricular. So we're not, you know, like some clubs where it's something you do after school, something you just do on weekends. In order to be an FFA member within California, you have to be enrolled in an agriculture education class. And those classes are diverse as agriculture is in California. They're everything from animal science, plant science, floral culture, ag mechanics, um, ag leadership, biology, so on and so forth. There's a diverse breadth of classes that students can be enrolled in. However, you have to be in one of those classes in order to be an FFA member. And I think, again, you know, with that is a dedicated pool of agriculture teachers throughout this state. And there's nearly a thousand of them now who are dedicated to those students. And again, to that three-circle model that FFA is known for, whether it's the FFA, you know, circle, uh, leadership development, which is our conferences and leadership continuum, or our SAEs, which is our supervised agriculture experiences, where we get students to have a hands-on project, if you will, and something that they do, you know, hopefully outside of the classroom to augment what they're learning. I think all of that is really kind of the foundation and core of our growth and our success and the integrity of our model. Because again, it's not just something you do after school. You have to engage in it during the day as part of your, you know, course load. And I think that's really been um, part of our success. Awesome. I mean, it's come up again and again on, on this podcast about, you know, how do we get more of our neighbors in the state to understand what's happening on the agricultural side and understand the importance of agriculture? I can't think of an initiative reaching more people than 100,000 a year to help get them exposed to agriculture, because I imagine a small percentage of that are people coming from production ag backgrounds. Absolutely. By and large, we have chapters now that are in North Hollywood, in Buena Park. And those aren't areas where kids are going home to, you know, 20, 40, 100 acre farms and ranches. They're literally experiencing a school farm in an urban area that's 15, 20 minutes from Disneyland. And then, of course, in the northern part of the state, we do have students that have opportunities for, you know, different types of production agriculture. Our chapters with nearly 350 chapters throughout California you can imagine that the influence of agriculture education looks a little bit different where you are. But to your point, they're getting exposed to all different facets of it, of whether it is urban farming, whether it's large scale farming, or all the jobs that are here, there, and in between of being a lab technician, working in accounting, working in marketing, working in communications. Given the impact of agriculture in this state, FFA does so many different things in terms of exposing kids to agriculture, exposing them to career opportunities, and also giving them skills that I think will be valuable, whether it's public speaking, record keeping. There's a lot of those skills that unfortunately aren't taking place in other facets of education today, and FFA gives you those. And so just, again, having the opportunity to wear the jacket, seeing the impact of the jacket, I know firsthand how powerful this program can be, and it's been um, a passion for me. 
what about specifically with the Almond Board? Maybe talk about that relationship between FFA and the Almond Board and the significance of, of that. So we've been working with the Almond Board of California for nearly 10 years. And again, much like FFA membership, the growth within that partnership and their impact has grown substantially. Um, originally, it started with $5,000 worth of scholarships that were handed out at our conference. And generally, those funds were generated during the Almond Conference and some silent auction efforts that were spearheaded from the Almond Leadership Program. Since that time, ALP, the Almond Leadership Program, has really dug in to support FFA and diversified all that they're doing with that. Over the years, as you've had different ALP classes, that support has kind of looked different based on their interests. So there's years that we've done a golf tournament. Um, uh, there was an almond beer event that happened down in Bakersfield a few years ago. Um, again, we've kind of maintained having the live and silent auctions at the Almond Conference. But that support has grown and we've been averaging $30,000 per year that is going to the California FFA and members. And once it's uh, received by the California FFA, that money is going to scholarships. Generally speaking, the bulk of the funds go to scholarships. But Almond Board has been a wonderful partner and also supporting a lot of our proficiencies both in grapevine, our veg crop, ag mechanics, ag services, our diversified crop production, nursery production, and even outdoor recreation. So Almond Board and the Almond Leadership Program have diversified our support or their support, focusing mostly on scholarships, but again, also acknowledging some of the proficiencies and other things that FFA does that have a meaningful impact on students and helping to um, fill those needs as well. I can tell you that in uh, 2021-22, over 213 students applied for those scholarships and 44 scholarships were awarded. 17 of those scholarships came from the Almond Board of California and the Almond Leadership Program, and they range anywhere from $1,000 to $4,500. So they're impactful in helping students make a difference as they continue their education or their career pathway. And this represents a significant investment by the almond industry in the future of agriculture. In fact, through the Almond Board and the Almond Leadership Program, the almond industry is the single largest source of annual donations to California FFA academic scholarships. And when it comes to the importance of this relationship between the Almond Board and the FFA, Daniel Bays has been involved on both sides. Not only is he a former state FFA officer and current almond grower, but he also went through the almond leadership program and remains involved with the almond board. I asked him from his perspective, why does he think it's important for the almond industry to continue investing in the FFA? I think it's a it's a worthwhile investment on behalf of the the almond board and the almond industry to invest into programs like the FFA. That's where a lot of your future is is going to come from. Might be growers, probably a lot of your different managers, uh, people that are going to be involved in uh, equipment development and marketing those products, developing regulations. And those FFA members and those students are going to vote in the future. And the people that they vote for, the propositions that they vote on, that all impacts the industry as a whole, agriculture and, and almonds in particular, but all the the regulations that we deal with on a daily basis, you know, that that voting base needs to have an appreciation and an understanding for what it takes to get food on the table. And I think programs like the FFA are one of our best bets at this point or best opportunities to 
to help with that educational process. To me, as far as a dollar invested and the amount of people that you touch with that, it's tough to beat what the FFA is able to do. Right. Absolutely. Well, you are certainly a busy guy. You got a lot on your plate and, and a variety of different crops. You know, why is it important for you to stay engaged with, with the Almond Board specifically? I know that you've been you've been active with the Almond Board. So maybe speak to your experiences there. I'm curious why that becomes a priority for you. Once again, it's another two-way street. The Almond Board, I got involved with it just because I knew it existed, but I wasn't real familiar with everything that it did. And I was, you know, fairly fresh out of college, getting involved with the uh, with the farm and thought that was a good opportunity going through almond leadership to kind of learn what it did, what it had to offer me as a grower, what I as a grower had to offer it and kind of where those those assessments that we paid, how those dollars got invested. It was a good opportunity to learn about all the different research projects that the almond board does. Uh, looking at the production end of it, that I can benefit from directly to improve our own farm. And I think also it, it was good to get involved because I can help, being a grower, I can help give my input back into some of those different committees and, and where investments should be made, what issues we're having on the growing side of it, you know, kind of help direct where some of the, the investment of their time and resources go as far as supporting the grower. And it was also good to see, you know, all the different areas that the Almond Board was involved on the, the marketing and product development end of it, and even some of the, the regulations coming down the pipeline, but being able to look at the future of the almond industry. And as farmers, we know that we're not going to be able to continue doing things the same way today, 20 years from now. If you look 20 years prior, things have changed a lot. Our production's changed a lot. but being involved with the Almond Board, it was interesting to see a lot of the different factors that drive some of those changes and have a little bit better grasp on what the future is going to do or where we as growers need to start making investments and changes going forward to make sure we support the industry and continue growing a product that the consumer wants to buy and people want to eat. So that, you know, we're not only a, a sustainably grown crop, but a a crop when you look at market share as a sustainably marketed crop that you know it's something people want to continue to consume and it's going to be a, a commodity that's there for the long term. And part of that investment in the long term is supporting and engaging youth through programs like the FFA. Almond Board Industry Relations Specialist Rebecca Bailey credits the FFA with impacting her life and eventually leading her to a career with the Almond Board. It was truly one of the best experiences of my life. I, I definitely can confirm that I would not be where I am today without having, you know, gained the leadership skills and just the, the team bonding and, and all that comes along with FFA. Um, it was just such a great experience and education and agriculture. So super grateful for FFA, where it led me and how it led me to eventually be here at the Almond Board. So very grateful for the organization. Rebecca's now been with the Almond Board for about nine years and manages programs like the Almond Conference and the Almond Leadership Program, both of which have aspects to them that help to support the FFA. You know, we decided we really wanted to pull in more of a community service aspect to the leadership program. We'd already been doing kind of an annual silent auction at the Almond Conference prior to that, but we really wanted to beef up our support 
for California FFA. So we started implementing um, an annual fundraiser goal for each year's class. And this year's class has the goal of raising $25,000. And since we've started this, we've provided more than $220,000 to the California FFA Foundation, um, which is just so awesome. And all of that goes to fund scholarships for graduating seniors. And over the years, I've had the opportunity to be a part of the interview panel for these students receiving these scholarships. And let me tell you, I always just leave feeling so hopeful for the future of our industry. You know, as hard as times may be throughout the years, just hearing these students, they're so sharp and they're so dedicated to continuing the future of, of the ag industry, um, not only the almond industry, but the ag industry as a whole. And it's just really awesome to be able to, to see these students and interact with them and just know that the future of the industry that we all love is in good hands. Rebecca said each year's leadership development class decides how they want to raise the funds, although the golf tournament and silent auction have become tried and true annual events. Now, whether you're in the leadership program or not, there are opportunities for you to support and get involved if you'd like. Yeah, so we're currently accepting donations for the silent auction. So if anyone would like to donate an item, let me know. The auction will take place at the conference, so December 6th through 8th, and it will be open during trade show hours. So FFA will be there helping to coordinate the auction, and they'll be on site to answer any questions. They'll have a booth by the silent auction. And we're just really excited. You know, last year we had a very generous sponsor, Qsify, who is our Emerald sponsor for the Almond Conference. And last year they came to us and announced that they wanted to basically match all of the funds raised from the silent auction up to $25,000. And it was just so kind and generous. And they are doing that again this year. So we're just super grateful for that additional support of this event. And you know, again, just seeing the the importance of this future generation and what that will do for these um, FFA students who receive these scholarships. So if you'd like to donate an item or get involved, you can reach out to Rebecca Bailey directly or you can go to almonds.com forward slash conference where there is a silent auction page with an electronic form where donations can be made. Thanks so much to all of today's guests, Rebecca Bailey, Katie Otto and Daniel Bays for being on today's show. We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing voices of industry leaders, people like Daniel Bays, may have sparked a connection or an idea you can use in your own journey. That's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.